This is a medicinal mass network production. Enjoy. The 2010 documentary My Sex Robot presented uh, various uh, different kinds of uh, sex bots available for the prices to six to $8,000. Right now, I could probably afford a flashlight and a TV guide with Jillian Anderson on the cover. What's up, truth seekers? Welcome to the FBI Basement, the podcast where we are going to watch and review every episode of The X-Files. Oh, I'm sorry, it's my line. Every episode? Every episode. <sighs> you think we're growing Even- a bit too reliant on the shtick here? We have shtick? <laughs> I'm sorry. Should we dial back, the, come up Should with something dial- new to say? I'm not sure. I am Todd. Are you? Okay. That's right, I'm Todd. I'm the host of this, and joining me is my panel of basement dwellers in the undisclosed location today. We have... My wife, the author, Shannon. Hi, everyone. My wife. We have uh, my not wife, Marissa, <laughs> the artist. Bear drive car. She's my wife. Wait. And we also have uh, <laughs> the producer and the king of the Medicinal Mass Podcast Network, Valentine. Hey, yo. We are coming to you from the undisclosed location. Today, we're going to be reviewing the episode Sleepless, which is the (sighs) fourth episode of the second season. Is this also one where I get to tell the amazing Tony Todd story? Oh, you might be able to tell that story because Tony Todd is, in fact, a guest star in this one. He is. And also, uh, before we start, uh, John Grease is in this episode. He's the guy that you'll see later. We'll get to him. Uh, But you'll know him as Uncle Rico. From uh, the Napoleon Dynamite. And so, by the way, it made a first time I've thought about Napoleon Dynamite since 2007. Okay, so here's the thing is it's like it was hard to take Uncle Rico seriously in my mind because of this episode. But I've seen Napoleon Dynamite so many times that when we went back and rewatched it, I'm like, huh, okay. It was even harder. And he's been in a bunch of other things. He's that guy you see in shit. And also, uh, we have a very special uh, recurring character who shows up in this one. Oh, yes. No spoilers just yet. <laughs> but but I drew that thing on our wall. Did you not see the collage? Yes, yes, I saw it. I saw oh. it. every last detail. Right. We are here uh, to review this episode. But before we do, we would like to uh, remind you that the FBI basement is a Patreon supported podcast delivered to you for free every week. So if you feel like it, if you like what you hear, if you want to hear more of it, go to patreon.com slash the FBI basement or check it. You can find the links to it on our website, on our Facebook plastered all over social media. Got it tattooed Uh, on my ass. Yeah, even Special a donation. occasions will let you see that. That's the super premium donator um, uh, button, right? <laughs> like you, you, any, even at uh, lo, even a one dollar donation is greatly appreciated, and will still get you access to the X Files, uh, the FBI Basement Discord, all the um, uh, extra special bits such as the uh, season one recap and other episodes. How's that coming along, Val? Oh, it's coming. That's definitely coming. Okay, we got other pro- podcast projects. You're going to be the first one to hear them if you are one of our patrons. And uh, I'm sure there'll be some fun little art and stuff like that from Marissa when the inspiration strikes her. Um, I, I don't have anything to offer. I feel sad now. Um, You're going to put your fanfic up there, right? Oh, God. Do I have to? I don't have all my fanfic. That's the That's the sad part. There is the legit fanfic, and then there is the renegade fanfic. You're a renegade. <laughs> I like that. And um, I can't find any of that anymore. Well, uh, since we are Patreon supported, we do not have a sponsor. Uh, so this episode was written by uh, Howard Gordon, originally <sighs> aired on October 7th, 1994, and was directed by Rob Bowman. And as previously mentioned, it uh, features a very special guest star, Tony Todd. If you're a fan of the Candyman series, maybe you've seen him on uh, his various television appearances on Star Trek. Incredibly great horror actor. He, he's currently the voice of Zoom on Flash. Or is he Zoom? I, I, I'm not quite clear on that one. He is the voice of Zoom. Okay, he is the voice of Zoom on Flash right he doesn't, now. Zoom is someone else. Uh, the, the actual person in the Zoom suit is not Tony Todd. And uh, Tony Todd has also been haunting my nightmares since I was 14. So 
Marissa, any memories of the Candyman movies? I have a distinct memory of no offense, not really understanding why anybody was afraid of it. Um, oh, yeah, that seen it yet. And then oh, I that is it. also true. I, I did mean to mention that earlier. Thank you. Oh. Our amazing Patreon uh, subscriber, which is something you can do, uh, pointed out that this was also assigned to Howard Gordon as a challenge to write by himself. And he is correct, because usually Howard Gordon raids with Alex Gonza. Marissa, you want to finish your thought there? Sorry. I wasn't originally very impressed by Candyman, but then I grew up and I ended up liking it more. I don't know. Well, I, <laughs> it wasn't the ones I attached to. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I will say, and this is my little de deviation, is I think that Farewell of the Flesh has a better story, but that has nothing to do here. I can tell you why I was afraid of Tony Todd and the Candyman. Uh, you see... I had a fever of 102 the first time I saw the Candyman movie, and um, I was hallucinating. Hmm. <laughs> That's not going to help. Well, no, it, and in my bedroom, be I have horror movies. Like well, sure. one, there was a horror movie, and two, I have a huge full-length mirror uh, on my closet. I have a walk-in closet, and I have a full-length uh, mirror door for that, and... Um, well, that's how the Candyman gets you. Dude. Yeah, exactly. And I was hallucinating. It was a great night. So this was originally written as a challenge to, uh, a ch as, as a part of a challenge. Like to, uh, yeah, to Howard Gordon without a collaborator. So Howard Gordon going into the deep end of the deep state. There is a little bit of deep state in this one. We'll get there is quite a bit of deep state in this one. Okay, we begin in an apartment in New York City. Doctor Saul Grissom is uh oh chilling out in his apartment oh that really just weird a little bit before midnight yeah that really weird pan that kind of looks like they stole it directly from law and order over new york city it does go back and watch dr grissom smells smoke seeping through his front door and he opens the door to find a blaze is ignited in the hallway <laughs> quickly running to the uh, phone he calls 911 to call in the fire and gives the uh, address but he hangs up the phone to grab his uh, fire extinguisher his fire extinguisher right <laughs> goes he goes tries to douse it but the fi uh, the fire is just like nah bitch it's just <laughs> Flares I, right up. I just, I'm impressed that somebody has a fire extinguisher in their apartment. Like, I've never had one in any of the apartments I've ever lived in. Yeah, I got to go oh. out to the hallway to get mine. And certainly a couple of them were death traps, I would say. Like, yeah, there was I, like one in the hall in that second one we lived in. Yeah, but I'm saying the two that I lived in before that were. Yeah, if that, if that, if that yeah, I, I might as well. Yeah, I was just, down. I was going to die. Um, and I don't care because it would have probably been better anyway. The fire units are being dispatched. Uh, by the time the firemen get there, they're marching up the uh, stairs. The other tenants <laughs> are being evacuated. In an orderly and calm fashion. Descending the stairs on the way up is Tony Todd looking very Wesley Snipes-ish. <laughs> <sighs> and uh, when they get up to Dr. Grissom's floor... There doesn't seem to be any evidence of a fire anywhere. Uh, going to his uh, apartment, the doorknob is not hot. They <laughs> push their way in. They don't so much push their way in as they just sort of like Rammstein it down. Like they battering ram it down. By the way, what they're assuming is a uh, false, alarm. false alarm or like a prank call to 911. They're like, all right, break it down, motherfuckers. Like clearly. Clearly, uh, they don't like you. Don't fuck around with nine one one. No, they just had to climb so many flights of stairs. Like they are really pissed. That's why they break down the door. New York's finest first responders. Yeah, find, uh, find Doctor Grissom dead. However, because he looks dead. But I will also say that that fireman has the sweetest stash. And with that, we take you to the theme song and a one and a two. And now Marissa, the solo. Nope. Aww. And the dragon comes to the night. Oh my god. Songs in the key of the basement. Oh man, that's such a good album too. Not not ours, but like the songs in the key of X is a good album. Sorry. I, I got distracted for a moment. We come back into Mulder's apartment where a cassette tape and article about the death of Dr. Grissom have just been dropped off. Mulder, uh, I think he assumes it's an all rush mixtape. Well, eventually when someone leaves you a cassette tape, it's eventually going to be an all rush mixtape. I just thought it's like, ah, the return of Toothy McBlowjob from England. 
We all thought it. I mean, why else would you put the tape in? The tape is actually the uh, recording of the the fire. The and interestingly enough, no mention of the fire was um, uh, made in the newspaper article. Mulder brings this to uh, Walt Skinner and asks to be assigned to the case. And Skinner is initially uh, reluctant, but he decides he'll take a look at it. What he says is look into it further, which is, I assume, Skinner for no. Go fuck yourself. Uh, GTFO, yeah. Well, you better get back to those um, uh, wiretaps you're going to be transcribing. <laughs> so Mulder is back on these wiretaps. Oh my god, the movie continues. I'm so excited. <laughs> he is absolutely miserable at this wiretap until a young agent brings uh, the file for the case to him. I hope he was singing the Crycheck song when he walks up to Crycheck. Alex Crycheck. Is this the scene yeah. where he's sitting there listening to uh, his wiretap stuff? Yeah. Yeah, we're back at the Donnie Brasco movie. Yes. <laughs> scene pissed like, me off because I knew exactly what was going to happen. He got interrupted by the dude, so he took the headphones off, but he didn't press pause. So now he's going to have to rewind and <laughs> find the exact spot. Oh my God. Yeah. Not a good day. <laughs> I, you know, and this is the sad thing, is that I think this is the last wiretap scene, which means now I will never know how this movie ends. The young man introduces himself as Alex Krychek. With the world's largest hand job. Oh, my God. Well, that, well, the hand is in the foreground. No, it's a hand job. It's just like it grows, like in the Everlong video for the Foo Fighters. This was this is Agent Krychek, played by Nicholas Lee, who is going to become a recurring character in the... And he is a treasure scene. of Canada. He is in that park in Toronto with all the other Canadian heroes like William Murdoch and Balto and Wayne Gretzky. I don't want you to say shit about him. Well, uh, we have seen him before. He actually was the dude who fucked an alien in the <laughs> episode gender bender. Homeboy fucked what? an alien. Yeah. Nicholas Lee had previously been yeah. in, in, in this in season one and they liked him so much. They brought him back for apparently he's fun to work with. So he just keeps hmm. showing up. Yeah. He's the guy who was like, oh, don't tell my friends. Yeah, like, dude, don't tell my bros that I fucked a chick who turned into a dude. Well, uh, Mulder, who was planning on working on this ca working this case alone, as he has been in the past, um, uh, is somewhat dismayed to find that Krychek pulled the case first, and the two of them will be working on it together. We're oh, going to be partner. good friends, you and I, Mr. Mulder. <laughs> oh. I don't need no partner, man. I play by my own rules. Oh. Crycheck. Alex Crycheck. Well, after a, after a little bit of uh, back and forth, Mulder tells Crycheck to go down to the motor pool and get him a car. We're going to go see what Dr. Grissom was up to. After Crycheck is out of sight, Mulder immediately bolts, calls a cab, and <laughs> takes it, goes up to Dr. Grissom's. Uh, like he just sort of fucking leaves. He, like, he grabs the quick flight from uh, D.C. to New York. Gets on the flight out of Dulles and shows up in New York. Gets a cab. Like, this is some amazing running that he does that Krychek somehow has to catch up with. Turns out that Dr. Grissom was a sleep specialist uh, using different um, uh, methods to combat different sleeping disorders, uh, such as one patient who has terrible night terrors being treated with um, uh, auditory hallucinations. Yeah, yeah. And then they go to the one guy and they're talking really loudly. He's like, yeah, this guy is poor little fuck over here. Can't sleep. Can you imagine that? And he's in there trying to sleep and they're just right outside his door talking so loud. Yeah. Oh. Like, you think they'd be like a little bit quiet. <laughs> it's like he can't sleep. It's like, oh, my God. Why? I didn't see any CPAP machines there. <laughs> no. See, this is the era before sleep apnea becomes a thing. He also uh, surreptitiously explain, arranges for Dana Scully to perform Grissom's autopsy. <laughs> Grab the body to go. It's not a taco, Mulder. It's like his... Yeah, it's... Uh, she doesn't even really get a chance to um, uh, uh, protest, does she? <laughs> I'm sending you a body. But... But I have plans. Krychek catches up to Mulder, and he's pissed off after... He is sassy. He is sassy AF. Oh, my goodness. Salty is what he is. I, no, that is not salty. That is, like, he should be snapping fingers in the form of a Z. <laughs> he is sassy AF, man. Ditched like a bad prom date. Okay, I, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I don't appreciate getting ditched like someone's bad prom date. That is, that is sassy. That's not salty. That is sassy as fuck. 
like Mr. that great chick would make a great prom date. <laughs> well, I did send him that letter and he never responded. And now I'm infuriated that Nick Lee did not respond to my promise ask of being my prom date over like 15 years ago. I should really let things go. Then we get to the autopsy. So much acting. Oh my God. <laughs> and I've got to wonder, it's like, <laughs> Crycheck is basically the third wheel in this. In, it in is this obvious scene. that Nick Lee told his acting coach that he was going to get a speaking part in like a three episode guest spot on this show. And he is acting the shit out of it. Like he's just sticking his head into the thing. Like, like, he's like slowly like, sticking his head in, like, whoop. Oh, by the way, this is after apparently Krychek has tried to sort of impress upon Mulder his desire to believe in the truth. Which, uh, if that he, doesn't set Mulder's, you know. <laughs> Mulder is super trusting, though. This is the thing is it's like, you know, some people had nicknames. Stop, you're burning my heart. But some of us believed in you. And some of us have weird little Mulder shrines. And we. Uh, mm. So Krychek makes himself out to be this big Mulder fanboy, right? He's sassy and a Mulder fanboy. That's what I got from that scene. Uh, we looked up to you back in the bureau, dude. Now, we didn't think you were like some sort of jerk who'd leave me alone. It was me and Mulder. At the motor pool. The butthurt. How long do you think he sat there in the Mulder, in the Mulder pool? Oh, God. How long do you think he sat in the motor pool the waiting Mulder for Mulder? Pool, the Mulder pool is in the next episode. Get out! Completely different. Get out! One month dungeon. Like, I guess that's my question is how long do you think he sat there though? And the car, like, this is a terrific day. I am going to get to go on a mission. I'm going to go on. I'm going to go and investigate with Fox Mulder. It's going to be amazing. How long do you think he sat there like that? I wonder what tape I should put in. Man, I hope he likes Rush. I mean, I'm Canadian. Obviously, I love Rush, but the. Autopsy itself reveals uh, that Grissom had none of the primary symptoms of being burned alive, but a lot of the secondary things, uh, almost as if he basically believed that he was burning alive so hard that it actually happened. Meanwhile, uh, in the apartment of a man named Henry Willig, the man that we had seen prior descending the staircase, whose name is actually Augustus Cole, a.k.a. Preacher, meet up and talk about some crazy shit that happened in Vietnam. Apparently some really crazy shit went down. Yeah, by the way, this is something that will kind of perpetually happen with the X-Files, is we want to do weird shit, Vietnam. Anybody else notice that this episode is basically Jacob's Ladder? You know what? No. It's like, this is like, literally, now that I'm sitting here thinking about it, you are absolutely correct. It's somewhere, it's like Jacob's Candy? It's more like Jacob's um, Nightmare on Elm Street. With candy, basically. But yeah, you're right, it is. It's, yeah, I I hadn't noticed that either. Uh, But you're correct, it is kind of, it is very Jacob's Lattery with Nightmare on Elm Street. This is the first time we've actually seen uh, Cole speak, and he speaks with the authority of a southern AME (laughs) preacher. He He starts talking about a atonement for sins and he seems to be speaking very pointedly about uh, henry willig's life and uh, deeds and soon as if to punctuate that point they are joined in, in the apartment by a whole bunch of freshly napalmed vietnamese people I, I, I to watch whatever it was he was on watching on tv they really yeah that it. was that looked like a lot of fun too i i will say though it, if you want my one like excitement apart from you know nick lee showing up i really like how tony todd is shot during that speech i just really like how that so- that shot is composed was it one of those bottom-up shots yeah it was it was sort of shot from under and he's in like they do some sh- they do some shadowing it with was that. almost that like a dutch angle he's like a dutch angle wasn't it naturally taller than normal he is a very tall man yes and i think that when you do that when you capture someone's actual height it's it's a little uh frightening i also was surprised that tony todd is not not brit oh and he's also apparently in riverdale these days um because why not no i was just really impressed that he was uh i i was impressed that you know he's not british i was a little surprised He's Men, women, children, civilians, but they all have M16s and they proceed to gun Willig down like the Western decadent dog he is. Who I, else was waiting for the little kid to pull out a gun? I thought he did. I, I think he did. did. No, he oh, didn't. and 
he got backed into the be behind them and somebody put their hands on his shoulder. I was I was paying attention. Like is he pulled Good job. Marissa was paying attention. And by the way, just so we all know, uh Tony Todd is six five. Not a short man. That is not a short man, but yeah. I just really like how that scene is shot. He is well shot in that scene. There is just so many shadows. It's beautiful. It is certainly like that is clearly the horror movie shot right there. Another body, another autopsy. And his postmortem uh reveals Something similar to Grissom's body, uh, both bodies reacted to circumstances that weren't occurring. Hmm. Turns out that both Garrison and Willig were stationed at Paris Island, and that Willig was assigned to Special Forces J-7 along with Augustus Cole. Mulder and Krychek head off to a psych ward, where Cole is supposedly kept, <laughs> to find that, surprise, surprise, he's not there. His bed's got, like, uh, a pillow and the sheet's all wrapped up under the pillow or under the blanket so it looks like he was there. And the doctor goes like, what? I was I, I was checking on him every week and he's always sleeping. Uh, there was that. There was the discussion of how he's disrupting sleep patterns. And also, did it look like they were just keeping him in the boiler room to anyone else? It kind of did. Yeah, it's like, uh, okay. Also, do you think it's the same place that they're keeping the eaves? The answer is no. That's that you're just going to ignore that question, and the answer is no. Meanwhile, it looks it looks as if that uh, according to the uh, to the lady at the registration that the doctor himself discharged him himself. But the doctor doesn't remember that at all. So mind manipulation, perhaps. It's never explained, and if you want it to be explained, it's not going to be explained. Well, we can if he can you know convince you that you're burning to death. I'm pretty sure he can convince you to let him out of his. I think that's like the least of the things he can do, but it's not going to be explained because, again, we're watching the X-Files. But then Mulder gets a phone call from X, who implores him to, to come and meet him at a location and to come alone. So Mulder has to ditch Crycheck again. <laughs> wonder how he did it this time. Like, go get some sandwiches. Lots of sandwiches. Crycheck, I need you to go to the deli and this specific deli. And here is my order. This is like $60 worth of food. Go. <laughs> But go in this huge looks like a sports arena under renovation. I think they're digging up uh, Jimmy Hoffa there. That's what it looks like. Is he still in New York? Uh, it's either that or it's the Meadowlands. Mulder meets with X in this building. And X is, for those of you playing the home game, do, the do, 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 do. Uh, successor to Deep Throat is Mulder's contact. However, while Deep Throat was a lot more open and honest to uh, Mulder, X knows that that's probably what got him killed and definitely loves his life more than he loves giving info to Mulder. <laughs> did anyone else get the feeling that maybe like I, I I'm reading into it maybe but did anyone else feel like that maybe I ex blames Mulder because they had a long that he and Deep Throat had a long running career and relationship together. Now hear me out on this uh, in DC like my cousin has a security clearance and she couldn't date anyone below that security clearance like she's she wasn't allowed to so her husband and she have the same level of security clearance i'm wondering if those two had a law i'm saying that it's a long beautiful caring relationship between two consenting adults that got cut short because Mulder was a dipshit fight I, me i wonder if you see if you see gayness everywhere i might <laughs> Gayness is everywhere. Gayness is everywhere. Am I not? Am I correct? Like, maybe that's what it is? I can tell he's pissed, and it seems like he's, he's mad. Oh, oh, that's right. This is the, yeah, this is another good point. This, uh, was... this is a th You pointed this out to me as well, Marissa, right? Our Patreon just pointed that out, uh, that the role was actually meant to be female. Yeah. You had just, yeah, you had just pointed that out, like, the other day, right? Um, to everything. Yeah. She was a Star Trek actor for a short period of time. Yeah, and she was supposed to, and that character was supposed to be female. So, yeah, I now that I think about it, those lines make more sense coming from someone who might have actually carried on a long-term relationship with Deep Throat. Well, yeah, and also... And now it's gayer, and I, I think that's better. I think that it comes to a more... I think that it comes to a more... to a more adversarial kind of thing. Not necessarily adversarial, but a little bit more, <laughs> this guy is gonna get me killed. And I love the actor, by the way. That is... who? That's Stephen Williams, correct? That's right. Um, uh, Stephen Williams, who you... If you are fans of the Supernatural, played Rufus in a bunch of episodes. He was Bobby's... 
Bobby is you just stuck your tongue out again, but he is also one of the cops pursuing Jake and Elwood in the Blues Brothers and utters one of my favorite lines, which is I'm going to get that ship box dodge. Also, Blues Brothers is super quotable and not just the ship box dodge line. You know what I like about him, and and this is just me as a wrestling fan. I love the fact that he that his uh his voice kind of sounds like Ernie Big Cat Lad. It does kind of sound like Ernie Cat Big Cat Lad, like something, Mister Mulder. <laughs> when I get you in the in the steel cage. And by the way, he's been doing this for about a week and a half after we watched that episode. Is he's literally been doing Ernie Lad promos, talking to Fox Mulder, like for about a week. So there you go. Now, uh. X does give some information to Mulder, however, that uh, Cole hasn't slept in 24 years because of a crazy-ass experiment done on him while during his time in the Army. Yeah, this also doesn't work, really. I mean, it kind of does. The science kind of tracks, but not really. But they, they, so they cut the mid-pontail nerve or something in the back of their neck to do this? Yeah. That's a point. That's a point. We should point out that um, uh, Cole and uh, has this gnarly scar on the back of his neck, and so do uh, so does Willig. There is one more uh, survivor of that group, and his name is Salvatore Matola, which is a really weird name, and he's played by Uncle Rico. Which gah. Mulder takes the documents given to him and hides them in his car. <laughs> In the worst fucking place possible. Like, yeah, I'm just going to put it under my seat. Like, you know, they're my CDs as I'm going to the mall. By the way, that's exactly where my mother used to hide her CDs. But uh, Krychek reports to Mulder that the police have cold cornered. And where the fuck were you, man? I brought the sandwiches back and everything. They rush to the scene. But uh, when they get there, Cole has given them the slip. And the two officers that had him had shot one another. Dun, dun, dun. Mulder faxes the documents that X gave him to Scully and hypothesizes to her that Cole has found a way to project unconscious to externalize and weaponize his dreams. <laughs> so this is where you were kind of saying that it's sort of nightmarish on Elm Street. Like, yeah, and I'm also dying over here and not, not trying not to uh, just compare this to the new season. <laughs> You know what? There's Go ahead. Correlation to a, uh, okay, to can we? I'm not okay, gonna, can... I won't ruin it for anyone. I'm not going to ruin anything, but watch Julie. Okay, so basically at this point, we should maybe throw up the spoiler klaxon. Definitely throw it before I say Julie. Yeah, we should throw up a spoiler klaxon and then then your thing. But yeah, I would say that you are probably right because... I, I've certainly not watched the new season yet or the new series. And I'm, I'm certain that you are correct because the X-Files has a tendency to use, reuse itself pretty frequently. Oh, oh God. Yeah. So this time it's so, it's so close that uh, it's, it, it's almost like, yeah, we're, we're definitely referencing something you saw before on purpose. Okay. So it's kind of getting, so what you're saying is the new season is kind of getting into that weird thing that they did with Dr. Who. Okay. Um, it's you know they take everything that they scared us with. God damn it, we gotta wreck one. Doctor Who too. <laughs> I, I could both wreck and, and build that show up so bad. Yeah, she she could hate about, fuck Doctor Who for you. The whole thing about the new season is it almost perfectly, not perfectly, successfully takes everything that it scared you with in the original show and shows you that yeah, all these things are normal for you now, like technology okay. and shit. But again, I I don't think that the science so much tracks with the dopamine and shit. You get a little bit more information, however, about how the whole procedure works and what became of them uh, when they when Mulder and Krychek tracked down Matola. And there's and more acting. There's more background acting in this scene, and it's like this is the problem is. I don't know if I've seen this episode so many freaking times that this is what has happened, but it's like, it's incredibly distracting in the back with Crycheck. But uh, Matola, however, is acting his ass off. Yet John Grease is chewing some uh, scenery because he knows he's going to have to go back and do Pretender if this doesn't work out for him. This Oh, what a fucking terrible job that was. This greasy spoon diner elsewhere in the uh, town. It's some sort of arbitrary truck stop that I think now is probably Pete's Candy. Is it is that diner familiar to anybody else? Where is it from? I'm talking about the rest of the show. Kill Switch. Holy fuck, it is from Kill Switch. You're right. I may have reused that diner. 
Yeah, again, this is probably a Klaxony thing, but yeah. Yeah, you're right. They do reuse that in Kill Switch. I'm sure they reuse this three or four times. Apparently, (laughs) they basically took a whole unit and eliminated the need for sleep. It worked, but it also had the effect of causing a kind of detachment amongst the people. And eventually, they went AWOL and started carrying out their own missions. I just, like I said, I really fucking love the Krychek acting in the scene. Like, Nick Lee is acting the fuck out of that scene. Like, even down to, like, time looking at his watch, looking in his coffee cup, smoothing out the back of that that hair. That very quaffed hair. Oh my god, that hair is going to be quaffed forever until it gets cut, and then I get sad. We're (laughs) supposed to keep our clothes on during this episode, right? Mulder determines that um, uh, that Girardi is uh, Cole's next target. Dr. Francis Girardi, by the way, who, who was the other, who was Grissom's partner in the whole situation. Oh, right. And this is a scene where I had to stop it and scream, right? That Girardi is coming in at the a train station in the Bronx, which doesn't fucking exist. Also, why the fuck is he coming into the Bronx when you have one of the biggest stations in the country downtown? So they're right in the middle of the station of this huge train station. Why are they? Yeah. Why are they not in Penn Station? Why the fuck aren't they in Penn Station? Mulder sees Giardi coming and he sees Cole behind him with a gun. Mulder pulls his gun and starts yelling. No. no. <laughs> this is the second time in a row he's had to yell at his partner to not shoot the person. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> Valentine, I'm sorry. I have to inform you of this. Mulder's not very good at his job. Well, at I least he you... didn't shoot the people this time. Like, he That's was... true. I'm sorry. I would have thought by for, this I point for, for, for almost certain that they would, um, uh, that Mulder was going to just go a completely shooting rampage on this, uh, on everybody getting off of that train. It would have been great. And but, especially considering that he is probably still high from, from the last episode, but he doesn't thankfully, uh, no, no, he gets shot himself and then falls down and then we fade to black and then we come back and I, and I, I assume probably it was more jarring when you had the commercial break so you know you had mac at night and whatever the fuck else was going on in the 90s and then you came back and then Mulder just pops to life so i assume it's less jarring and again we're watching this from hulu so it kind of wasn't but it's like that is some great like that is some great decoveny acting when he just sort of like just no cells like he just sits up like he's the undertaker Krychek's like, what the fuck? <laughs> and Krychek is seriously no like, are you like, this is the moment where it's like, you realize Krychek is starting to understand he's got the shit assignment. There was no evidence that Girardi or Cole was even at the, in the stations, but Mulder insists on uh, reviewing the station security cameras where they do discover an anomaly on track 17. That's my favorite track. I was going to say that's the one where it's like, I can't decide, right? Like that's, yeah, that's my favorite track on the Scissor Sisters album. But wait. <laughs> Girardi, uh, Girardi is uh, badly wounded by Cole's projection. My mistake. That was track nine. Of the, uh, uh, of the rest of the unit. And they, each of them, each of them attacking him with scalpels. Okay. This scene, I got to set this scene up a little bit better. We do find Cole with Girardi and uh, Girardi is tied up without his glasses on. Because he can't see a thing without his glasses. Cole projects the image of the platoon coming up, each grabbing a scalpel and each, you know, slicing and dicing into this tubby doctor. I, I will also I will also say that this is maybe we are certainly not doing it justice because my God, Tony Todd delivers a performance on this one. Like the speeches they give him, uh, these soliloquies for back lack of a better term are just beautiful they're really well done he certainly chews the scenery he chews the fuck out of them to get them to do that well have we talked about the music cues they the weird inception blahs in this one don't they it did have it does have the inception blahs. no but that weird sort of east asian platoon-esque music <laughs> which is like you looked at me and you're like is that racist i'm like kind of but it also occurs to me that it may even be a callback to Platoon, which Tony Todd was in. Mm. Isn't IMDb amazing, boys and girls? I, I think that it's like, I think that is a really well acted scene. So uh, Mulder and Krychek discover Girardi's body moments later. Krychek stays with him and Mulder goes into pursuit. <laughs> I like how his voice cracks. Like he is like, 
I, it, ah, I think everything we see up, everything we see in this episode, we're going to get to it. And it kind of irritates me. Like everything in this episode kind of feels a little weird and contradictory, but we'll get to it. Uh, Mulder corners Cole and really wants Cole to help testify against the military. Oh, because, honey. You can do that. Come with me. And we yeah, no. Oh, honey. Oh, Mulder. No one else ever thought of suing them after that? No. And actually, to answer your question, yeah, people have thought about suing them. If you ever see the documentary Invisible War, that is actually, they are the women and men in that one are actually bringing a class action lawsuit against the uh, Defense Department against what they have had to suffer through. It's a really beautifully done documentary. It's done by uh, Dick Kirby, who is, by the way, one has the best name ever. And two is a really fantastic documentarian. So yeah, actually people have, there is also the LSD tests. People have tried to sue the Department of Defense. It doesn't work very well. Well, it but yeah, it doesn't, in this case, it doesn't work very well at all because Cole is pretty much resigned to his fate. And uh, Krychek shows up with his gun drawn. He <laughs> convinced that, that um, uh, Cole is going to plug his best friend Mulder. Krychek puts a bullet into his head. Can we... Like, can we just sort of get some kind of like, because this is going to be a consistent issue here. Is there some way where we can get like the Alex Krychek death count? Like, can we just have like a ding every time that we like mention it? Because I will keep track. You will keep track. This is the first confirmed kill from Alex Krychek. Yes. He had so, a gun. It was a freaking Bible. It was a Bible. It was a more, Bible. Which is, is dangerous. When you think about it, a Bible can be more dangerous than a gun. Remember, kids, guns don't kill people. Bible. Religious fanaticism does. Back I, in the car, Mulder <laughs> discovers that the top secret document that he had, that he had is gone. <gasps> Hidden his perfect hiding spot. He's like, what the <laughs> fuck? Scully's copy of the document is also stolen. Wait, was also the spank bank stolen? Gotta restart yep. it. Gotta restart <gasps> Who the stole the spank bank? I feel like and we're going to get to the answer. To, then we cut to Alex Krychek standing in a smoky room. By the way, this is the proto room that we're going to see later that the syndicate will all be in. This is like the boardroom where they are. Sitting down the files on the table. It is revealed that the that Krychek is working for the cigarette smoking man. <gasps> he has outlined several countermeasures in order to deal with Mulder. I'm sure this is going to be like the countermeasures here. Like what's he could he could like. Okay, look, I've got a gun. And I could go take care of it right now and get on my lunch break. We could poison the sunflower seed. I feel like this is the moment, like, and this just, it's like, it gets progressive where Krychek desperately wants to murder Fox Mulder. It, uh, it starts here where it's like, here are some countermeasures. We could have him, you know, convicted of a sex crime. We could kill him. We could sell Scully to a nunnery. I mean, I don't know. And goes on down the list force him to be on showtime like i feel like he has this list and then as each episode that he is in like with each incident that krychek has to deal with, with, Mulder, with another way like he desperately Scully, is just like we Mulder. should we should just really kill him like he literally gets to the point where it's like i just i will fucking run him over with my car well there seems to be an issue going on here because uh apparently separating Mulder and Scully has not broken either of, of their resolve and that Scully is a bigger problem than initially thought. As you will see, I have outlined some countermeasures. And then it it ends. That's how the episode ends and I'm I am disappointed. Well, some very that's some very ominous stuff being said about Scully. Oh boy, what a fun episode this was. Uh yeah. Okay, sure. Um, no, no, I, I, I liked it. I, I, I think we shouldn't lie to the people at home. I might have a weird obsession with Alex Krychek, a small one. Like it, it certainly has not affected anything that I do or write or certainly discuss with other members of this podcast. <laughs> I certainly didn't write fan fiction about him and some of it being legit and, uh, not. How big is he? What do you mean? Krychek. I think he's about 6'4", 185. His hair is brown and his eyes are green. Okay, that's a measurement, but not the one I was asking for. Oh! <laughs> 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 um, he is certainly uncircumcised. Anyway! 
This is a debate. This is, by the way, what people were debating in the 90s. Is his dick circumcised? <laughs> well. <laughs> and the answer is no, because he is Russian. And and that's a Jew thing. Okay, Literally so the argument, by the way. Going to, so we're going to sort of look into this episode here. I think that Tony Todd was fantastic as sort of the, as the uh, monster of the week this week. <laughs> Because you know the man has a the, the man has a um uh, a history of playing uh, very scary, very motivated homicidal I, characters. Well, I really even Worf's brother. Would you call Worf's brother? Well, he was motivated to suicide, but that's that is true. <laughs> I would certainly. It's one of the things is that I've always rather enjoyed Tony Todd's performance because one of the things, and this is again why I really like Farewell to the Flesh, is that he can present simultaneously horror and fear and devastation and murder and evil but sympathy all at in the same character and it's like that's the thing that's kind of one of the reasons i really like Candyman. If, if i remember correctly the candy man was very much a person who was wronged and then the became a monster to sort of exact revenge right? yeah that's that is pretty much the whole notion i guess we should maybe throw up a giant spoiler before we get into that uh, and i really do i really like tony todd i, I think there is some certainly some interesting moments here i think my issue is that it's kind of as we're sort of sitting here reviewing it there are actions in the middle and beginning of this episode and some sort of really weird rookie moments for Crycheck, where it just sort of comes off as you know doe-eyed fawn skipping through the woods and then it's like oh okay he's not Hmm. Like I feel like there is some contradictions, and I think there isn't some consistencies. And now I, I see it, and I can't gauge if I'm just being, you know, a hater or not. Marissa, your thoughts? I like the episode. I like the the gist of the whole Nightmare on Elm Street. You can die in your dreams thing, or you can die from shit that isn't actually there, or someone else's um, dreams. <laughs> I I get the same feeling that when they first started filming this episode, maybe the script was different. And that maybe he wasn't supposed to be a bad character, like, like uh, eventually bad character, or or maybe it was supposed to take longer or something. I I, it, I think it would have, and, and I understand that we're again trying to judge this on a uh, twenty eighteen, and certainly this idea of consistency and continuity, and that's a very new. Yeah, I would basically say that it's like I I would say that. I understand that we're talking about an episode and we're talking about a show that doesn't benefit from consistency and this whole idea of serialization, which was kind of foreign on TV for a little bit. But this is certainly an arc and it, this isn't saying it because I, I love that character and to a point where it's like uh, the character I now write based on him is nowhere near it. I think it's just it would have benefited from a slow burn yeah, and a slow reveal as opposed to four episodes and done valentine what do you think uh this one did a good job on i don't know world building because they're trying to establish you know what is is the x-file world more based in our reality that we assume or is it like really like building this conspiracy type world uh this one's showing a dude doing supernatural things and like legitimizing them with dead bodies and and scully backing it up is doing a pretty good job of making this more um x-filey i should say well uh, yeah now we know that the weird shit is real and not just Mulder being crazy and <laughs> we also know that we also get an, an impression exactly there is more stuff with the cigarette smoking man in this season coming up who he is and what he does and what his uh, and what and what his motives and 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 goals are are going to become very very important to the next few seasons or the entire arc of the rest of the show right uh, forever and ever amen i'm kind of agreeing that they should not have necessarily revealed krychek's affiliation with him this early yeah they should have dropped a few clues and maybe like and maybe maybe revealed it maybe they should have just sort of done it in ascension but i guess they wanted to foreshadow that something's going to happen to scully now <laughs> Well, and some of it is that they have to for your hand gets forced because she's going to pop like that woman is right. about Billy to. Anderson yeah, is about to have her baby. So they're pretty much having to write her off for at least a couple episodes. Yeah, and that was my other thought um, that this that Chris Carter was, if anything, like at least accused of being a bit of a dick on a set. And I have this odd feeling that they had that, that they filmed that scene just kind of like in a vengeful way. They, like, like Krychek was a th the character of Krychek was a threat as a replacement. 
Well, and I, I, I think A, there is take that well. Well, no, he certainly didn't take it well. And he certainly did not appreciate Julian Anderson getting pregnant very early in the season in the series. That is certainly that's been well documented, actually. Yeah. Um, I, don't th- I don't think he likes any pregnant woman. Or maybe I, he does. Like, I, 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 he doesn't have to wear one, you know. The theory from really angry fans is that he fetishizes uh, forced impregnation. Uh, yeah, there is that, and there, and he has had a lot of accusations about his feelings towards women and their roles and authority and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Because he, he kind of, um, I guess I can. Am I cool to to go into the AMA discussion here? Or not forced impregnation, like like rape, or like yeah. with the turkey monster. Yeah. Uh, he is. He's got a real. Uh, there is an accusation that he is a big fan of uh, medical rape because well, Scully goes through have, it multiple times. I have. An, and, I have an argument against this, but this is coming from a couple, like a group of people. We don't know what happened behind the scenes. We only know what people say happened and blah blah blah. The whole forced impregnation thing is kind of like a cornerstone of sci-fi. It is. Think about it. It is. It's. It's. It is. I know. It's starting to not. Ridley Scott's Alien. Well, and I mean that's a primary example. Is this is why people find the xenomorph so frightening? Is that it's rape and forced impregnation, but it's not just to women. Also, uh, multiple abductees do report uh, sexual experimentation. They do. Uh, They do actually. They will often. A lot of and a lot of what was written. What was written here. Uh, wow. Oh, did I mention lately that I love our Patreon supporter? Because <laughs> it's like when I met Chris Carter, he was kind of a dick. Of course, it was in an airport. Everyone's a dick in an airport. Uh, but okay. no, so and- you have you have to say you've been abducted to to have tried anal before. <laughs> <laughs> there is but there's also some speculation he does that and he has a tendency to downplay and discard women uh, and he is generally he has been very nasty to female fans so i i wouldn't surprise me if he was disconcerted with jillian anderson i don't i don't we're getting into speculation we're getting into some speculation here that we don't have answers for i mean i will i will say like firmly that i do believe that because of the the horde of information there is and, and, and complaints and everything that yeah he's he's a he's a bit of a dick to women and he's kind of, and he can be a shitty writer sometimes people t- send, tend, tend to forget you want to look up something like ufo abductions and something like that because uh the, the theory is and it's it, it's it's also a lot of people who think they've been abducted actually find out that they've been uh, abused sexually at some point in their life and that that the, the abduction scenario was an escape <clears throat> so it, it all has roots and things that like people are complaining about like it's a little sexual and and awkward and that that's like i really think that's one of the core roots of sci-fi is this body I, horror I, I feel like we'll be able to discuss this much more over the next two episodes here there's also a later episode a yeah there's also some later episodes where we need to get into that as well because there is i will certainly say that out of all of the characters in the x-files Scully gets raped a lot. Yeah. All right. Now, uh, to get back to the uh, heart of the matter, we've got to disseminate a little bit of information before we give our show ratings and put this one in the can. Woo! Woohoo! All right. Uh, first off, the uh, makers of the FBI Basement and other podcasts can be listened to courtesy of the Medicinal Mass Network, a podcast network that cares. Valentine. Uh, yeah, head over to medicinalmass.com, check out our podcast, subscribe to our Patreon, and get our new edible candle wax coming soon. <gasps> I'm excited! <laughs> Isn't all candle wax edible? No, 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 no it is not, Shannon. <laughs> then what the fuck am I doing with my life? Wait a second, have you been eating crayons too? Yeah. Marissa oh. Leterio does art. <laughs> I, I, I also eat crayons sometimes. We eat crayons together. <laughs> Sometimes I'll eat a little glue, and when I don't do that, I do art. Illustrations, uh, web design, uh, video, sound, a little bit of everything. Currently working on a book with Shannon. (gasps) Oh, it's a secret. It's certainly not based on our X-Files RP or fan fiction that we've written for years. (laughs) Don't tell them that. (laughs) It totally isn't. It really isn't. It's way better than that. Um. Oh, my God. I talk about your books. (laughs) Right, Shannon. No, now I feel like I am being personally attacked by this this podcast. Shannon <laughs> writes books, the Department I, of the Arcane series. 
and, and I've got some spec fic that's going to be coming out eventually, question mark. Uh, but yeah, you can get those at schuffwrites.com or you can find me as SC Huff on the Amazon. I assume we still have the link on our podcast page. So Meticulously implanted every time. Mm-hmm meticulously implanted and if you buy them through there uh you can help us with the podcast we will also be out in public easter weekend at awesome con in washington dc uh that is march 30th through april 1st and we will be the ones who will be mooning quietly over john boyega (laughs) i hate you guys I didn't re- like. I didn't know they were gonna book him, and then I looked at it the other day, and it's like John Boyega will be there. I'm like, no. What are you guys gonna do if you ever see Redis? Like, I live near the guy, and I'm not even gonna bother him because he lives around here. That's what sucks about it. I'm going to tell him that my best friend Marissa has a crush on him, and to introduce us to Guillermo it's del Toro. Not a crush? Yes, it is. Shut it's up. Not, it's, I I really like him as a person. I'm not really, I don't know about his attraction. He's not really falling to my attraction realm. I will also tell him to buy our books. Anyway. <laughs> no, it will end up like the conversation I had with Tommy Dreamer, which I'm surprised I didn't cry. Okay. Oh it's time, to give, our, time to give our ratings for this episode. No, damn it. We want to talk about famous people. You can talk about your crushes later. It's not a crush. It's a smash is what it is. Yeah, baby. <laughs> All right, so go ahead. Let's do these ratings. All right. Uh, I'm going to give this one three out of five gnarly neck scars. Gnarly. I'm going to go ahead and give this uh, two and a half giant crycheck hand jobs. You bastard. What? Were you going to give him the hand job too? No, no. Somebody <laughs> dropped something in the room and I was being dead. God damn it, Scott. <laughs> Marissa. I give this four out of five coffees that Crycheck isn't going to get his colleague. <laughs> That's the next episode. Oh, damn it. <laughs> damn it. Um, I give this one uh, seven out of ten bad dreams. <laughs> okay. So uh, is that it? Are we done? Uh, no, we got our Patreon supporters said he would give this one three out of five Crycheck stealing Mulder's spank banks. Because he totally stole the spank bank. That is exactly what happened. In fact, I literally, that's literally in my notes. Crycheck, why did you steal the spank bank? Yeah, okay. This is why Crycheck, he he decided on his own to to join the deep state when he saw it was in the spank bank. Spank bank. Yeah. We're going to uh, be uh, winding this down for a bit. Oh. But uh, tune in next week. Join us next week because Dwayne Barry doesn't want me to talk about this Dwayne Barry episode. Dwayne, Dwayne Barry. Dwayne Barry. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us for yet another podcast. You can find us online at medicinalmass.com. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, whatever podcatcher you use, you can find us on. Like, subscribe. Rate and review us, especially you know on iTunes. That really helps other people find us and hear us, and we really want that. We really want all the attention. I I don't, but I would like people to listen to us, though. So, for my expert panel of basement dwellers, I am Todd, letting you guys know that the truth is out there. All right, smokes if you smoke them if you got them. Really? Oh my god! Yay! And I also bring you that jolt. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more from our other shows on the Medicinal Mass Network. Sorry, hold on. Start again. Uh, sorry. <laughs>